The I Am Man podcast is produced by men for men. We are here to support men through their individual journeys to authentic and holistic manhood. We believe men play an essential role in securing the future of generations and deserve to be seen and heard. Our podcast is a safe space where men from all walks of life can come and process through life's challenges to become the best versions of themselves. Marshall, it is such an honor and a privilege to come into your home, to come into your space. Listen, I am so excited about tonight's conversation. Yo, today is going to be crazy. It's going to be off the chain. I'm excited. I have my pastor with me tonight um, from New Life Covenant Church. Listen, it's going to be bananas. Like you guys know who follow us and know that we've been doing this for some time now, are always on time, are always punctual. And today I'm talking about like the devil tried to get in all the little details, but ha, we win. So before we jump into the conversation, I believe that tonight is going to be a conversation that's going to bring healing, that's going to bring wholeness. So this is what I want you to do. Before we get into the meat of everything, I want you to share. I want you to share this. I want you to tag your mama, your daddy, Pookie, Ray Ray, um, Josue. I want you to tag them all and tell them, yo, this is a much needed conversation. We're going to be talking about the tab, one of the most taboo topics within communities at large. This issue is not a black, it's not just a black issue or a brown issue or a white issue. This is an issue that is plaguing men around the world, men and women and children. And oftentimes, broken uh, men create broken communities. And when you have broken communities, we have broken worlds. But before we jump in, I want to encourage you. Um, there are some resources here for uh, you all who may be listening. There's a book that I wrote that's called Just Believe Reasons Why Your Faith Matters. Yo, in this book, we journey through some of my experience, some of my personal brokennesses with sexual trauma, also with some of the things that my wife has gone through um, with miscarriages. Um, this is a powerful book, and the scope of this book is pretty much saying how. Um, does a good God allow bad things to happen to good people? So that's the scope of this book. Action, I want to hit you up too. For those who order tonight, I will send you for free this 10-day devotional that me and my wife wrote together. It's called Just Believe. I don't know if you guys see it real clear. Just Believe, uh, the 10-day conversation between God, faith, and life decisions. Yo, that's just for you guys who are on here tonight. And also for my brothers. Yo, this is my baby this is my new book it's called what every man needs to know this is a tool and a resource for every man regardless of how old how young you are this book is laced with jewels to be put in your treasure chest that will help you become the best version of yourself so anyway enough about that yo pastor d what's up man how are you I'm doing well, man. It's good uh, to be here. And hey, I'm going to hijack this for a second. I want to I really want to commend you for what you're doing. I think that what you're doing, especially you putting yourself out there when it's specifically when it comes to men, it's 
Uh, as a pastor, I come across this. And there are so many men in silence about what they've experienced and what they're going through. And I know we're going to get into this a little bit, but I wanted to commend you and just celebrate your life. Thank you for being out there. Thank you for uh, putting your information out there. As we all know that we're going to take our pain and turn it into glory, turn it into victory. Yeah. And that's what you're doing. You're taking your pain and you're going to bless somebody because of what you went through. If you can avoid someone's heartache, even the process of healing. Um, that's what you're doing. Again, I just wanted to hijack this. I know you're the interviewer. But you got I, it, I, I man. This is a conversation. You got it. You're the man. Come on now. So I just wanted to say that, man. Every time I hear you, every time I see what you're doing, every time I hear your story, when you share it, um, it's just it's just amazing. I get blessed, especially my journey is very much connected to it, but I am blessed because I believe there are more men that do need to hear and also be free in talking because talking Talking is also a part of their healing process of it all. So, anyways, I wanted to I wanted to throw that out there. And you trying to break a brother down at the beginning of this uh, conversation, man? Yo, I am so honored to have you. Yo, first of all, if you don't know who Pastor David Marrero is, he is the campus pastor of New Life Covenant Humble Park, the main campus. He's served faithfully there for years. He's been a part of New Life Covenant for years, and he's also over the Master's Commission. Really quick, before we jump. And put a shameless plug about Masters Commission. Yeah, Masters Commission is an international network with um, churches that have programs specifically geared towards discipleship. And uh, so that's our, our focal point that is there. So we help establish churches that want a model of discipleship that is there. So we've got students, young adults that actually live um, in campus uh, within the church facilities. And for 24-7, there's a discipleship um, um, program that is invested in each student that is a part of it. So there's a holistic approach. Um, there's not just one model of it, but this is not only in through the U.S., but this is also um, worldwide as well. So essentially what he's saying, he's a busy guy. And no. the fact that he took time out of his schedule and away from his family, yo, I'm honored to have you on. And what I've realized as a father, as a man, there's no such thing as free time. We have to make every moment cost us something so thank you for investing your time in here man so what this is what we're talking about tonight we're talking about um this 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 taboo subject of sexual trauma in men's life and as a survivor myself i've gone through my journey and i i have a uh, saying that i always say and it's in one it's in my book i say that healing is the healing is the journey but wholeness is the destination. Healing is the journey, but wholeness is the destination. And many men um, never start their process of healing, so they never get to wholeness. And what happens is they wind up living in the same trauma that they experience at whatever juncture of your life. And let me be clear, when I talk about sexual trauma, I'm I define sexual trauma as any unwanted, any unwarranted sexual advance or sexual experience 
that um, was not consensual. So rather it was rape, rather it was molestation. Yeah, we going there today, y'all. We going, we're going there. So rape, molestation, rather you were touched, rather you were fondled, whether you were groomed. So maybe it was somebody in your family who necessarily didn't touch you when you were younger, but maybe that when you got older, they groomed you into a position, they groomed you into um, someone that they could have sex with. Or um, maybe you were somebody who was sex trafficked. Um, so this is a wide conversation, but listen, this is an important subject because this is what I realized. Men are oftentimes uh, put in, sh- they experience so much shame and oftentimes carry uh, so much guilt that they never get help. And what happens is they wind up getting married. They wind up having children. And then before you know it, you know, after sweeping that stuff under a rug for so long, what happens is eventually you sweep it up, you keep sweeping long enough, it's going to pile up to the point where it's just going to be crazy. So, Pastor D, I invited you because I remember sitting in church one day and I'm talking about you were going ham. You were, ah, all you needed was a B3 organ and it would have been popping. And then out of nowhere, you tell this Lord was dealing with me about telling my story and I started and you said, hey, I have a testimony. And you got up in front and I'm not talking about a small church. New Life is one of the biggest churches in Chicago. You get up and you tell, you say, hey, I have a testimony that I want to share with you. And you start sharing about your experience with sexual trauma. So, man, I want you to take it from there. Um, as you have, you know, you are a successful pastor. You are doing a lot of things in the community. Man, what get, at this stage in your life, what gives your life meaning? Yeah, what gives my life meaning is, you know, the motto of Christ, man. I give myself away. And how do I do that? One of the ways that I do that is really by serving. And sometimes serving is by sharing my story, is by telling people the journey that I have been through. I think one thing that is consistent across the board that people can relate to is pain. What people go through and how they have gone through that may look different, may sound different, but where where we all can connect is is pain. And that's one of the things that, um, that drives me is getting people out of that mud where they feel stuck. Uh, there's a lot of shame, there's guilt, there's embarrassment that might be there. And that gives me meaning is how can I turn what the devil has used for his purpose and for his good to try to derail me with my purpose and flip that. I want to flip the script and I want to use it for the good, right? All good things can come out of a person's testimony. So I don't want to hide in my shame. I don't want to hide in my guilt. If you hide in that long enough, you'll drown in your own tears or you're drowning your own sorrow. And my healing, and I've realized this too, my healing has come through through talking about it. My healing has come through sharing my story. There's a lot of people when they, when they talk about testimonies and they, some people think that they have to be completely whole and completely healed to be in a place where they can share their story. The truth is, is that my healing did not come when I felt like I was completely healed. My healing really started when I started to share the journey that I 
took and a little a little bit of my of my background and, and one of my testimonies obviously we all ha- carry some some heavy weights and, and testimonies that that carry you along but specifically in this topic of um, of, of what we're talking about today I was already a junior high pastor at this time. Mind you, uh, I was at a young age when I was sexually molested at a young age. And um, as I was growing up, I really put this away. Like I hid it. The information, the uh, it almost came to a place where I did not uh, almost told myself that I didn't believe that it was true. It was interesting. It was like, was did it really happen? Fast forward, I'm a junior high pastor now, never spoke to anybody about this, not my family. A matter of fact, there was only one person at that time, which is my girlfriend, my wife, now that I shared my experience with. Well, I'm at a junior high retreat. I'm a junior high pastor. We're out in Wisconsin. I got a sermon. I'm ready to preach the word. And the kids are sitting down and uh, the Lord whispered and told me, David, I want you to share your story. Now, I want you to know that this is a, this has been a hidden secret for so many years. I, I've never talked about it. I didn't even know how to talk about it. And when the Lord told me to go ahead and share my experience, I literally closed the folder and I just started to talk. I, I didn't know what to say. I didn't know how to say it. And as I stood there, I remember sharing the story of my abuse and tears began to come out of my eyes, come down from my eyes. And I started to weep. When I say I started to weep, I I was gasping. I couldn't, I was trying to catch my breath. It was literally a healing moment for me in my life. And as I stood there, now mind you, I'm talking about junior high. You're talking about sixth to eighth grade here. I, I felt compelled to ask the question across the board and ask how many of you guys have ever been sexually molested, sexually abused? And half the room lift up their hands. And there was just a time of weeping and mourning and even lamenting um, what has taken place. And again, I didn't realize it beforehand. Yeah. But that very moment. And now that I reflect and I look back, that was truly the beginning of my healing process that I've been bold enough and I found courage. And I've also discovered things that I've hidden for such a long time. Things now start making sense on why I started to think, I started to do, I started to speak certain ways because of all of this trauma that I have felt as uh, a young kid, that now I exposed it into the light and allowed God to now heal me through this journey. And I've made it a point of my life where every opportunity I get, I'm going to share it. Uh, there's no secret to me because if you keep it in secret, um, then again, it is a hidden treasure that can really help somebody by letting them know, hey, there is healing. You can move on from such experience and so much can come out of this um, if you just share and talk and heal through this process. So true. Um, one of the things that I always tell people is that um when people have experienced sexual trauma, whether it's rape, molestation, being found, and let me be clear, for men specifically, I want to kind of delve into this a little bit. Um, 
sexual trauma does not just come from being touched by another male. It could be you were sexually touched or uh, taken advantage of by a woman. And oftentimes this stuff happens with people who are close to you or close to your family and sometimes family members. In some occasions, it's people who, you know, very very rarely is it people you don't know. So oftentimes people are pushed into silence out of fear um, and out of retaliation. You know, sometimes people get uh, pushed into fear and, and oftentimes are told not to say anything and are threatened. And some and as and especially if your abuse happened when you're younger, you kind of internalize that, and that is the beginning of learning how to keep secrets. And what this thing does, what this it it, it instills this fear that keeps you in shame, that keeps you in rejection. And I often talk about shame in men. It's like having, it's like being put in a jail cell and you have the key in your hand to unlock it. But because of your conditioning, you stay in there because you you feel safer inside the jail cell when you can really experience freedom and healing if you just open the door. And so my hope is tonight that we would dig deep to open the door. I believe some man out there that you have been sitting in silence, you may be married, you may have children, and you may have never told anyone what's happened to you. I believe as the tears may be flowing down your eyes, bro, yo, tonight is your night for healing. Tonight is for you to begin your journey. Man, Pastor David, that's a great story. Now, I have many sexual, uh, I have many experiences that I've lived through and I'm able to tell the story and I talk in my book, but I'm interested to know what has your journey to wholeness look like, both good and bad, because I know that that's the pretty version of your story. Um, Not necessarily pretty version, let me not say that, but what has the journey, and this, I'll phrase it like this. Men, we are, as human beings, we are multi-dimensional beings. We have a mind, we have a body, we have a spirit, we have a soul, right? So there's dimension to us. We're not just simple beings. And I understand in those moments, healing comes, but how has this affected your life with your wife? How has it affected, you know, we see you have the nice, beautiful wife, by the way, amazing children, but what has been some of your internal processes that you have had to walk through in various stages of your life to get where you are now? Yeah, one of the the things that you process, for instance, for me, I had to cross the bridge of homosexuality. I had to walk through that and ask myself these very questions, even though I knew that I was never, my journey, I was never attracted to men, but because what happened to me, I had to ask myself these questions. And it's amazing that whenever you keep something in secret, there's always some sort of expression, something is going to be expressed. So when you suppress something, right? Suppression, this is where depression ends up coming. Right. So when you suppress, depression comes. And when I started to suppress this, then you've got these toxic emotions that can easily begin to filter out. And part of that journey for me was asking myself um, questions about my identity, my sexual identity. Um, who am I? Even the confusion of my purpose. Can I be used? Um, asking myself questions as if. 
Can I prevent this from happening? So you start questioning every dynamic. You question every area of your life. You question uh, you question your fatherhood. And the, the challenge that can happen is and I and is when you become a parent, you have this fear right? It's fear to protect your children um, in such a way because you don't want them to experience what you experienced. And, and that's, there, there is an unhealthy fear that can take place because what happens is you can begin to suffocate your kids because of your drama, because of your insecurities that are taking place. So trying to find that space of grace and understanding, but yet still be a protective parent where you want them to feel their support and give them boundaries where lines don't get crossed is a very interesting journey overall. Again, these there are different dynamics uh, through this. Some are good. Some are challenging, Um, you know, so the process of sanctification, the process of wholeness does not happen overnight. There is a lot of filtering that you have to go through and you have to do. I tell you and I and I say this with with so much um, gratefulness. The grace of God has really been on me because some of the trauma that I have faced in my life um, has God's grace has really been so good to me where he's carried me over. I've never found myself in positions of violence. I've never found myself um, being abusive or are using these expressions, these toxic expressions in those type of ways. That's why I say I'm grateful for the grace of God because some of the trauma that I've experienced in my life as a pastor, I've seen other people with similar stories that have vented in ways that were very harmful not only to them, but also to other people. So God's grace has been with me. And if you're watching here, one of the things that I would encourage you to do is pray for the grace of God. Grace always carries you through. What you can't do, the grace is what carries you do. What you can't accomplish, grace takes you through. And the grace of God is what you and I don't deserve because of our flaws and of our iniquities. But the love of God um, is what allows us to do the things that we feel emotionally or mentally we can't do. I stand here to tell you this. It is only by the grace of God that I can stand here in front of that individual um, and tell him that I forgive him. Wow. It is by the grace of God, because there was a journey and there was a time in my life where I would not even consider being in the same proximity of this individual. But yet today, because God has healed me, I want to be able to release him into the hands of God. And I have to forgive to be able to be freed for myself. Now, I don't have to be friends. I don't have to invite him over dinner. I I don't have to do any of that. I'm coming. You're going to be with my kids. None of that is going to happen, right? But I'm going to release them to God to at least God 
can deal with him. It's, it's between him and the Lord. And, and that's the place that I found my, I find myself in. Now I have to, I have to put a pin on this because pastor did, we talk about the grace of God and I want to be a hundred percent real. This is the, we are being honest. You're talking about the grace of God and um, you're talking about how God, how you can forgive, man, there are some people who are straight up pissed off, who are living in depression, who are living in disbelief. And to be honest, they're living in bitterness, right? They're bitter that it happened to them. And I remember coming to the point of my within my journey, saying, and really, and I have, I can't say any other way, really being upset with 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 my offenders and being upset with God, saying, how could you allow this to happen to me? Um, how could you allow somebody, if you know, to do this to me? If you loved me, why didn't you protect me? If you love me, why didn't you keep this from happening? If you love me, why did and yo, and this is real, yo, this is very real. There are some people who have will never or who have never walked in the door of a church because this has happened to them. We see it all over the news, Pastor D. We see it with in Catholic, you know, in the Catholic Church, they're always on um, the they're always in the media but some of this stuff I, it's not just the Catholic Church it's happening in our churches it's happening in Pentecostal churches tongue-talking churches prophetic churches charismatic churches Baptist churches Lutheran churches Methodist churches is happening and oftentimes it's coming from people who are called by God or who are uh, who are supposed to be individuals that are supposed to protect sheep, but wind up harming them. Now, I have to say this, Pastor D, because I wonder, and I and I know somebody who's listening tonight wonders, where was God when it happened? Why did God allow it to happen? And I want to also ask you this question. Does, does this, because oftentimes we say, man, I understand man, you know, that uh, men have, man has free will and man, you know, it's flawed and hurt people hurt people. But does free will exist or is every action predetermined? So did God, some people, I heard some people say, well, God saw that it was going to happen, you know, or God allowed it to happen because he knew that you could handle it. Like, I've heard stuff like that. And um, I've heard people say, you know, stuff like God gives his toughest battles to his strongest soldiers in this context. And so, like, I want to ask you a question. Where was God in some of this sexual trauma? And especially for people who are maybe upset with God, who are upset um, and maybe sitting in bitterness. What, 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 what do we say to them? Yeah. And let me let me say this. When it comes to when it comes to God and understanding the concepts of God's, there is never a complete understanding of the ways of God. I don't care who you are. I don't care how much of the Bible, you know, I don't there. Now, there there is doctrine and there is ways in believing um, certain ways. When you talk about the choice and the predestination, I'm right in the middle. I believe that there is choice and I also believe there's predestination. I believe that God knows all things. I believe that God is never surprised. He knows the end to the beginning. 
I also believe that God gives man choice to choose their path. God has a plan for all mankind, but God also gives choice. God never created you and I to be robots. He never created for us to be robots or puppets. He created us to have the will in which who we choose to serve. That's why scripture says, choose today whom you will serve, right? Uh, for God so loved the world that whosoever, whosoever really is a choice of action for a person to decide what they're going to do. So I believe in the very beginning, just like he gave the commands to Adam to be able to live a life of paradise, live a life of peace. Remember, there was no death. There was no worry. There was no sin. I mean, Adam lived in such a perfect world when God created the heavens and the earth and he created all um, from, 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 from top down. He created and he said it was good. The only time he said that it wasn't good was when he realized that Adam was alone and then he creates Eve to be a companionship for Adam. But I say that to say this, when God spoke, he spoke, first of all, he spoke to the man. He didn't speak to the woman. And when he spoke to the man, he told the man, you can do all this, but you cannot eat from this specific tree. He gave Adam power. He gave Adam authority. Matter of fact, here on earth was a split image of heaven. Bible says that God created him in his image. You've got Adam who is now in the image of God. And then he tells Adam, Adam, I want you to go ahead and name all these animals. So the same authority that God had in heaven, he gives to Adam and says, you know, you two now have authority. So you fast forward here and we know that at the end of the day, he chooses wrong. He falls right for the, in the manipulation of Adam, um, of the serpent. So so I believe that is right there in the middle. You continue to read through scripture. There are choices that people make that there is consequences there. That's why we have the second Adam. That's why we have now Jesus who comes into this place and he begins to purify what was taken away from. He gave humanity back the authority that was taken away from Adam. So I believe we're right in the middle. Nothing gets past God. But at the same time, I believe that there is choices that we have. Where was God in all of this? Where was God when this happened to me? You know how many times I asked that question? Mm. God, why didn't you prevent this from happening to me? Right. I think one of the things that we have to come into terms with is that there are some questions that here on earth, they're not going to be answered. And the reality is as a man and as a human being, I am not going to waste my time or waste my energy on space and questions that are not going to be able to be fulfilling. Cause even if God gave me a direct answer on, on why it took place, I don't know if I'm ever going to accept it. So at the end of the day, I want to know this. I want to know is even though this happened to me, my question, I've always reversed it. Instead of asking God, why has this happened to me? I'm going to ask God is what can I learn? from this experience because I would gather more and I would grow more and I would do more with understanding what I can learn from this experience rather than sitting in a pit trying to figure out why something bad took place of me. Uh, you know, there are other things that have happened in my life and the reality is, is that 
The reason that these things happen here on earth is because people have evil in their hearts. God never created darkness. Only Say that again. God never created darkness. The reason why this is the way that it is is because there's evil in people's hearts. You, you mentioned something about anger. Listen, there's nothing wrong with anger. Be, be mad. Be upset. I mean, the Bible says do not sin in your anger. So what's happening with a lot of people is that there's a possibility that this is generational for them. Right. For the people that have hurt you, the people that have offended you, it's possible that there is a generational curse. This is what they have inherited. This is what they have experienced. This is how they know how to respond to what they have never healed from. And you have now, unfortunately, pro um, became a product of their broken. They're the roots of what happened to them. So the, the heart of, of, a, of a man is because of the pain that has never been settled and never been cleared. And we have become, unfortunately, victims of that. That's not God's fault. I'm not going to sit here and say, God, this is your fault. I, I don't win. I, I, there's no growing. There's no moving forward in that in that mindset. I prefer, right, I prefer to reverse the question and ask myself, what can I learn from this? How can I heal from this? And how can I help other people that have also been victimized by others that also has hurt them? And that's, at least that is my mindset and my approach. Yeah, so I, man, I appreciate that. That's a, that was an amazing response. Um, some of the things that I talk about and I talk through, um, I do these workshops called Silence. Um, and it talk, we talk, we help men begin their journey to wholeness. And in that, I talk about um, for men who are upset, men who are sitting in bitterness, uh, is that you can dwell on that why question all day long. And the truth is, I want to tell some man out there that's been carrying the weight of your abuse. Number one, it is not your fault. It is not your fault. And and that, and I have to say that because for a lot of men, we feel like we should be strong. Or And I'll say this, um, sometimes men carry the guilt because if they were older, now I'm about to talk for real, for real. If they were older, their body may have responded to the interaction. So maybe they got an erection. Maybe they got turned on. Maybe they did actually have a release or orgasm in this during the sexual act and they were confused dealt, and they don't know how to process it yo it is not your fault it's not on you and because i say it like this we live in a broken world pastor d just went through this whole kind of biblical exegesis on why i'm gonna kind of cut through the woods because we live in a broken world broke uh, we live in a broken and fragmented world and we and mankind was given dominion over the earth. God did not make it, like Pastor D said, he did not make us robots. And so man has something that's called free will. 
Now, God says, and the word of God says this. Now, I place before you life and death. Now, I pray that you would choose life. But there is also this op this option of death. There's also this option of darkness, of evilness that exists that you can choose to live your life, that you can live a life of evil. And the Bible talks about that the hearts of men are evil. Like, for real, for real, the hearts of men are evil. And it talks about the heart being despitefully wicked. When you have a man who has been traumatized, when you have a man who has who grows up in a broken world, in a broken system, he makes broken decisions unless he is encountered by the love of God. Flat out. And um, so you can't, so it is not your fault and it is not God's fault. That was somebody, some broken man or woman who took advantage of you and it is not on God, it's not on you. That was the effects of their own brokenness. And look, Pastor D, I have had multiple sexual, and matter of fact, my mama is here this weekend for me or this week, a couple of weeks for the holidays. And I had, I was able to have a candid conversation with her about some of the things that I had gone through. And I realized that the sexual experiences that I had, it wasn't my parents' fault. It wasn't, it wasn't my fault. It wasn't God's fault. But what had happened to me was the effects of these other people's issues that they never dealt with, that right. they never processed through. And I have had the opportunity and the privilege to call some of my offenders, Pastor D, call them up and say, yo, why did you do this? And you know what most of them said? Most of them said, because it happened to me. To me. Yeah. They said, now everybody doesn't have that story. And so when I, and I, this is a part that many of you may not like, but I teach this in one of my seminars, is that hurt people hurt people. If I am a big superhero fan, I'm a big Marvel fan, Pastor Jay, I don't know if you are, but oftentimes Marvel or any type of superhero movie, if there's a superhero, there's normally some type of supervillain. And oftentimes the supervillain is somebody who has experienced some type of injustice or they feel like they've been wrong and they are seeking vengeance. They are seeking something, some type of vengeance, some type of recompense because they felt like they were cheated. And because they do this, then what happens is they are willing to do whatever it takes to get even with somebody else. So what am I saying? When you have somebody who is broken, hurt people, hurt people, you realize that oftentimes that the person that hurt you was also hurt and broken themselves. Not to excuse them from what they did, but to make forgiveness more palatable, you have to dethrone the villain. You have to look at them through the eyes of humanity, of humanity and the eyes of God and see them as broken people not saying it justifies what they did, not saying you shouldn't report it, not saying you you know that it's that it's on you. But what happens is it makes forgiveness much more palatable when you see them as they are. And when you and I want to be crystal clear, 
forgiveness is not forgetting about it. Forgiveness is not just pushing it off. Forgiveness is something, it's, it's really for you. Unforgiveness is like drinking a poison and expecting the other person to die. The truth is the offense happened a long time ago or years ago, and that person is no longer living in that moment. You're the person that's still stuck in that moment. So the only way out is to forgive. The process is to forgive. And forgiveness is more for you than it is for them. And let me say, let me say this about forgiveness. Forgiveness is not an emotion. Forgiveness is a choice. A lot of people confuse forgiveness with emotion because they feel angry. So how can I forgive somebody if I'm still angry? And I always say this, forgiveness is a choice. It is an attitude and it is a release. When you forgive somebody, what you're saying is I release you into the hands of God. I am not going to allow you to be my burden. I am not going to bow down to you because every time I see you, you annoy me. Every time I'm next to you, um, you control my emotions. You control the way that I think. You control the way that I speak. And no longer am I going to bow down to you. So I am going to forgive you by releasing you into the hands of God. My emotions, that would catch up later. I'm in a place today. <laughs> That I'm that I'm emotionally alongside lined up with my forgiveness. But when I release the individual way early and said, God, I can't do this. This is why God says that it is in your weakness that I am strong. This is what I'm talking about. The grace of God. God, I am weak. I can't stand them. They annoy me. They frustrate me. I'm so bothered. To release this into God, then at the end of it all, what you're saying is, God, I don't want to deal with this no more. You realize this. How many people have been depressed and depression has worked? How many people have worried and worried has worked? God tells people not to worry. Yeah. It is a command that God says to forgive. He even goes out to says that he won't forgive you, right? If you don't forgive. Why does God say that? It's not that God can't forgive you, but God understands that there is an underlying release that you need to do for you to embrace and accept the fullness of what God has to offer. You will never be able to experience the fullness of God and what he has to offer if you continue to hold on. Hold on to offenses. Hold on to grow and be and 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 want revenge. The Bible says, "Revenge is mine," says the Lord God. You got my back. I am a son of God, and I'm going to treat it as that. I am royalty, so I know God has got my back. I know that God is going to protect me, and I'm going to say this. And I know this is hard for people to accept. God loves them as much as He loves you. God loves the predator as much as he loves you. God loves the murderer, the prostitute, the drug dealer. God loves them as much as he loves you. When I put myself in the position of a father, I tell you what, my, my son can do the worst of the worst. The reality is I would never stop loving my son. Here's what I will be disappointed. 
I believe that God is disappointed in people's actions, but it never limits his love. This is why God is agape. This is why he loves unconditionally. This is why grace is so beautiful, because despite how small we see sin or how big we see sin, God sees it the same. Sin is sin. And his unconditional love, his agape love sees beyond that. And he's able to give people a, um, uh, a forgiveness because of his love. So he says, release it to me. Forgive emotions, guys, would catch up later. It's OK to be angry, but don't suppress it. Release it into the hands of God. And this is all the process that you and I will deal with. And I'm in a place now where. I don't feel the way that I used to feel. Now, it wasn't always that way. And I know a lot of questions are asked is this way. When am I going to heal? How long does it take? I don't know. The reality is, is that you have to start the process, though. Some sooner than later. But if you don't start the process of releasing, of letting go, here's a challenge. For those of you who are watching, here's a challenge. Pray for the one that hurts you. No matter what type of hurt it is, pray for them and see how that changes your heart. If you begin to serve in that capacity by giving, this is what God did. This is what Jesus did. He gave, he gave, he gave. Can you imagine Jesus at the table at the last supper, knowing that he is eating the last meal with the one that's about to betray him? Can you imagine that he's eating at the last meal with the one that is literally was about to betray, deny him? Eating in the last meal, knowing prior to that, he takes the closest friends that he has and he goes praise. And in the most pivotal moment of his life, when he needed his friends to be there for him, to lift them up and encourage him in prayer, he goes back. And what does he find them doing? He finds them sleeping. This is God understands the feeling of neglect. He understands the feeling of shame. But what did he do consistently? He went to the father. What did Jesus do when he was on the cross? Father, forgive them for they do not know what they do. Now, I know you and I were not Jesus. I got that. We're not Jesus. Um, you know, most times than none, we uh, we uh, we respond opposite of how Jesus would have responded. Uh, you know, I struggle with turn the other cheek. I struggle with those, you know, with those uh, Jesus commands, you know, from us. Like, you know, we get in trouble because we don't follow what Jesus asks of us. But, but I'm here to tell you that God would give us the grace to be able to deal with some of the things that we are weak in. And that's forgiveness is really a part of that is releasing so that God can do what he needs to do in your life as well as their life. Yeah, that's powerful. And I want, I want to pinpoint, I want to say this to somebody who just may be tuning in or just kind of hearing this conversation. Listen, I'm not, we're not talking about some whimsical kind of super spiritual, like forgiveness. No, like, I'm going to say, I got my pastor on, so I'm going to be respectful. Yo, this is hard work. This is work. And I want, let me tell you, let me be real with y'all. Yo, Pastor D, you, I don't, I don't think you're, you know, Pastor, Pastor D, you're not like this weak guy, you know, and oftentimes when we think about sexual trauma, we think about, Oh, you know, we have a stereotype. We guy, not, you know, whatever. Nah, man. This is, it takes a real man to say, yo, I'm broken, I'm hurting, 
and I'm in need of help. And this is one thing that I love about Jesus. And and I normally kind of try to keep the show at a certain level, but I have to say this. I, I love Jesus and I am a believer um, because every other religion was about me getting to, or it was about me proving or trying to obtain some level of godliness to get to him. And one thing in my study of different religions, one reason why I love God um, and I love Jesus is because he, he knew that on my best day, I would not be good enough to get to him. I would not be, I wouldn't be holy enough. I wouldn't be good enough. But he came and wrapped himself in flesh and he became fully human and fully God. Because I couldn't get to him, he came to me. And this is what I love about him is that he is the God, he is the incarnate God. He is the God that is with us. Listen, God is with you. Even in this moment, you don't have to do this thing alone. He is there with you. The Bible calls him a very present help in the time of trouble. Listen, what qualifies you to experience the love and the presence of God is the trouble in your life. He is right there with you. He is a God that never leaves you nor forsake you. Th listen, truth is, the Bible talks about that, the that our days are going to be full of trouble, full of drama, full of stress. But the assurance as believers that we have is that we don't have to go through it by ourselves. It said in the Bible, it said it never said that that you would never have trouble, that you would never go through trials, you would never go through hard things. But what it does says is that all things would work together for your good. So even though it may not feel good, even though it was horrible, even though it was ugly, even though it, it hurt you, guess what? I promise you. God is not going to waste any one of your tears. God, I feel, boy, let me back up. God's not going to waste a tear. He's not going to waste anything that you've been through. Matter of fact, I declare that the tears that you sow, that the tears that you cry, they will be seeds, that you will sow a harvest that's going to bring forth a harvest of joy. Come on, man, Pastor, yo, go, you, you got anything to say because I'm, I'll start. I'll I'll go off and I'll go on another spot. But yeah, I I I I I want men who are hurting and I feel it in my heart. I feel it in my spirit. Men who are listening or who will be listening. Yo, you're not in this thing alone. You're not weak. You're not any of that stuff. You. It takes a real man to forgive. It takes a real man to 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 uh, to be able to confess and let go of the drama and the pain and the effects of his brokenness. Because this is the truth, and I said this in my, uh, I said this a few weeks ago. What you don't deal with and what you don't handle, guess what? It will come after your children. It will come after your legacy. So you have to get in your mind that I'm doing this and I'm addressing these issues because I don't want this thing to deal with my children. And you may think, because you haven't said anything, that your children don't feel it. And that it will never, you know, take place in your home. Bruh, don't be fooled. Address it. Get help. And one, my last point, and I'm going to let you go, Pastor D, is that many of us don't have the tools and resources to do it on the strength to do it on our own. So I want to encourage you. Yo, 
if you don't feel comfortable talking to, let's say, a pastor, yo, go and find a therapist. Go find a counselor. I have like two counselors myself. And Pastor D, I've heard you talk about your therapy, you know, counselors that you go through uh, and talk really quick about the importance of seeking out professional help. Yeah, it, this, is, um, this is a real deep passion for me because especially in the church, uh, we probably have done a poor job in the practical measures of a man or a woman's healing. And what I mean by that is that we uh, sometimes leave people with the impression that prayer is left there. And that they're going to walk away and there is no other steps that they need to take in measures for them to heal. I believe that God has created and allowed man with the mindset to be able to create medicine for healing. I believe that God has put people in position such as pastors, but you've got counselors, you've got therapists that scientifically are prepared to be able to walk you through a journey so that as you go to church, spiritually you're growing, spiritually you're healing, spiritually you are being fed, but on the flip side of things, you need to be able to psychologically begin to heal yourself so that you can now learn how to be able to train what's up here. The Bible teaches us about having the mind of Christ, but our minds are such a computer that you need to be able to walk that through. I am a big advocate for people to get practical help. I am a big advocate of you finding a counselor, and when you look for a counselor or you look for a therapist, it's the same way that you will look for a doctor, someone that you are comfortable with. You have to choose them and feel as if they're the right fit for you. Uh, and every profession, a counselor should also, on the flip side, be able to tell you if they're a good fit for you. But you should choose them in that way because, again, I believe that counseling is helpful. Uh, sometimes when you hear people talk about counseling, they'll think, well, I'm not crazy. Listen, I think healthy people. I, I think on a, on a very scheduled appointment on a yearly basis, if it's monthly, if it's bi-monthly, if it's quarterly, however you want to do it, I believe everybody should be able to have someone that they can release and get coached and get shepherded uh, again for, for life in general. Every person goes through different seasons in their life. And I think that is very helpful for a person to go through. So I believe in the end that here are the three models for me. Very simple. I, one is the word of God. The word of God. When God created the heavens and earth, it was the word of God that created. I believe that the word of God can create something new in a person. I believe that the word of God is active and it is alive. So I don't dismiss the word. Here's the other thing about the word of God. The word of God um, is also the breath of God. It was the breath that gave life to Adam. Adam was for Adam was shaped as a human being, but yet he was not alive unto the breath of God. If you're dead inside you need the breath of god uh, you have to read his word the other part about the word of god is that there's so many examples that are relevant to today don't dismiss that word because it's so relevant the second thing i would tell you is prayer just look at the model of jesus jesus will constantly pray to his father uh, jesus had a habit of praying so make sure that you don't underline the power of prayer prayer works pray 
seek the face of God, seek his hand. And lastly, I would say is use the measures and use the resources that God has allowed to be a source of help in this time therapy, counseling, and et cetera. Don't be afraid of that. Meet up a pastor, sit down with them, meet up with the leader, sit down with them and see what are the measures of help that you can get so that you can um, complete your healing process, you know, overall. Man, that's powerful words. Look, Pastor D, I'm so appreciative that you've spent this last hour with us, talking with us, helping us start our process to healing. Yo, listen, if you have never visited New Life Covenant Church, yo, visit. You can Google it. It's there. You'll find it. Is If you're in the Chicagoland area, it's we're all literally all over the city of Chicago. Um, and so you'll be able to find us. Pastor D, thank you. Any last words? I feel like I'm in church. Any last words? Let's <laughs> well, collect an offering at this moment. I'm about to put my cash up right now, yo. Uh, I am in my home. So as you guys saw, you got kids that are running around in my crib, just having a good time over here. They have, uh, you know, so, but Rob, thank you so much for giving me this opportunity. Again, it's always healing to my soul to be able to be a blessing, even if it's a blessing to one person, if you're watching live or later on, you catch this on the rebroadcast. I pray that this was an encouraging word for you. Listen, we don't have all the answers to everything, but we don't, we do know who the, who has all the answers. And I will consistently seek him. He is the God of, of revelation. And when I don't know, I ask God to reveal himself to me. And I'm just going to trust him even when I don't understand it. Uh, understanding can wait, as my pastor says, Pastor Choco. He says, understanding can wait, but obedience cannot. And I'm going to continue to be obedient to God, trust his word, and allow my growth to continue to happen wait, through. You can't just skip over that. Like, you just, like, you you can't just skip over that, man. How you going? You just going to throw... Like, and just try to walk away. So you got to slow that down. Say it again. <laughs> my pastor told me, my pastor told me that, uh, how did I, how did I phrase it? He told me that obedience is what cannot wait. Uh, understanding can wait, but obedience cannot wait. You know, so sometimes we want to understand it now. Sometimes we want the answer now. Uh, but the reality is that doesn't work all the time. But obedience cannot wait. Obedience needs to be happening right now. <laughs> yeah, Pastor D, you just dropped that. You just dropped that bomb on us. Y'all heard that. The I Am Man podcast is produced by men for men. We are here to support men through their individual journeys to authentic and holistic manhood. We believe men play an essential role in securing the future of generations and deserve to be seen and heard. Our podcast is a safe space where men from all walks of life can come and process through life's challenges to become the best versions of themselves.